Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. So if they would sell their home that they live in, their primary residence, and then reinvest it in another primary residence of equal or greater value, they could roll over their capital gain into the new property. And not the 1034 exchange was something a lot of people did, but they didn't necessarily realize it. And that was kind of a rollover provision. So if they would sell their home that they live in, their primary residence, and then reinvest it in another primary residence of equal or greater value, they could roll over their capital gain into the new property and not pay taxes. And that was taken away in 1996. And then in 1997, they came out with the 121 exclusion, which for most people is actually a much better mousetrap per se. Uh, the 121 exclusion says if you've lived in your property and owned the property as your primary residence for at least two out of the last five years, and it doesn't have to be consecutive, as long as it's a total of 24 months during the last uh, 60 months, then you qualify for a tax-free exclusion up to $250,000 in taxable gain if you're single, $500,000 if you're married. So tax-free is always better than tax-deferred. Um, it gets challenging when the gain is more than 500000 so there's ways to kind of integrate that with a 1031 exchange. We'll talk about that later. So I don't, I don't know if I, you remember this. You probably don't remember this. And I, don't, I don't think I was doing a very good job of communicating when I did my first 1031 exchange. But I, that property I exchanged was my primary residence initially. So year, year 2009, 2010, I lived there. So about a year, year and a half. And then I rented it out for the next few years. So you're saying if I would have lived back in there like another year to get that get above that two out of five year threshold, that would have qualified for the 121 exclusion. Um, exactly. And the way to look at it is when you sell the property, the date you close on it, you're going to look back five five years or uh, 60 months. And as long as you can say you've lived in it for 24 months total out of that 60 month period, then you would qualify. So you'd have to look at that and say, okay, if I move back in and live there for a year, would I have a total of 24 months during the last 60 months? And it just depends on how it works out. Sometimes it, you move back into it, but some of the time that you lived in it starts dropping off after the five year window. So, so what's the depends on how the numbers work out. What's the paperwork that you need to um what's the paper trail you need to show for this? Because I know I know a lot of guys they they have property and they've been, you know, they've had it for a while and they're thinking about maybe moving back in or you know, just you know, for tax they, people do crazy things to save taxes, right? They they'll move back in, um, have another primary residence or side residence or call it a vacation home. What, what do they need to show? to get that two years? Good question. I mean, it, it only applies if you get audited. And once you're audited, you're going to have to demonstrate that you did live there for the 24-month period. So, the, you know, the IRS could look at all sorts of things in terms of where was your mailing address? Where did your utility bills go? Um, I've actually seen and heard of them uh, asking the neighbors who have lived there, you know, who lived next door to you for a period of time. Um, they'll check all sorts of things to see, you know, who lived there or who didn't live there. So as long as you can show that you lived there for at least two out of the five years, you'll qualify. But it, but it does have to be your primary residence. You do have to live there for two out of five years. Right. Some, some things that come to mind that definitely you should take care of is you definitely shouldn't be taking rental income from that, that place. 
if you do take rent that's true yep out of the table <laughs> you definitely should not be taking depreciation on the home because it's not a rental property and um yeah utility bills comes to mind good idea there and uh um yeah just don't be a bonehead about it i think <laughs> Yeah, as long as you're above board, you're in good shape. If you're pushing the envelope and bending the rules a little bit, that's where you get into trouble. So it's primary residence, not vacation home. You can't call it a vacation home. That's right. Yeah, it has to be your primary residence. Vacation homes and second homes kind of fall into the middle. They're not a primary residence, so they don't qualify for the 121 exclusion. Uh, they're not rental property or investment property. I mean, most of us buy that for investment anyways, but it's not technically investment property. So it doesn't qualify for the 1031 exchange. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of planning opportunities there where you can convert it to a primary residence or you can convert it to rental property. Yeah. Maybe you can say like you and your wife are fighting for two years and then she kicked you out and then you live there. <laughs> <Just joking>. <laughs> <laughs> Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.